Uh, hey, remember we talked about how the, um, the how the, the ending of the COVID shit was going to be harder in the beginning? Remember we, remember we had that conversation? I don't Not quite like, see an ending. No, I mean, like, coming out of it, it's going to be way more complicated than going... Remember we had that whole conversation? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, boy. I was really hoping I'd be wrong about that shit. I was really no. hoping that... Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, you can... <laughs> <laughs> this is really honestly it's playing out the way that I thought it would and it's unfortunate because it's just like well I was hoping that it really like you were hoping that it wouldn't be yeah. but it's playing out just the way it should or just the way we it really kind of was going to you know it's a disease it's a fucking airborne like what the fuck is going on and it's crazy I don't know what so Noah's going to SDA, right? Noah's going to SDA. Yeah, Will's going to CCA. Same district. San Diego. Yeah. But San Diego, different district, has went has gone all online for the fall. Um, I can't imagine that anyone around here is going to do anything different. Do you? I am hoping that we're able to hybridize it, but I, I don't know. I mean, honestly... Here was a thought. When I heard about it, I jumped out of my office and I ran into this guy. He's from DC. Uh, yeah. He's a he's a political consultant PR guy. Yeah. And we started talking about that stuff, and I was like, why don't why don't I just fly my kids to their cousins on the East Coast and let them hang out with their cousins for six months, and like they can do school from there? Because what's the difference? You what's know? the difference? Yeah. And th- this way, they'll have like you know, half a year of bonding with their family. (laughs) (laughs) There's some virtue in that. I don't know. God. Yeah. I mean, what have you observed about all this uh, nonsense of coming out of COVID coming out? Is that coming? Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Well, I mean, a couple of things. One, you know, when I, when I thought about the whole COVID experience in terms of like the human nature piece, um somebody would have said like i got a discussion with uh i think my mom i don't know who but she was like yeah as soon as they open up people are still going to be cautious you know they're not going to just go like throwing their bodies into the whatever you know i was like mom if they open up the fucking metropolitan museum of art in new york city and that's all they open up there are going to be millions of people lined up there for their first trip to a museum because nobody nobody gives a trip Nobody gives a fuck. They need to get out. Everybody's losing their mind, you know? So, like, that's, like, one thought I've had about it is that just, like, good Lord, man. Like, this has been such a – and good and bad, by the way, you know, but such an interesting exploration of human nature. Um, That's, like, one thought I have about it. Um, I mean, I've got, like, a gazillion thoughts about it, but I don't see how we're getting out of this period until summer of 2021. I don't disagree with that. I think that's going to be seriously iterative um, in the way that we're going to continue to work into society with one another. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going to just try and gauge whatever risk they're comfortable with. Um, I was in, you know, Hanson's surf shop. Yeah. Yeah. And had the mask, you know, everybody, everybody in there had a mask. And then a woman walked in this like sort of tallish blonde, uh, healthy 
I guess that's the way a healthy looking woman walked in without a mask and the help goes, excuse me, ma'am, you, you need to have a mask. And she said, I have a doctor's note. He doesn't want me wearing a mask. And that's the note to do fucking what? <laughs> right, right. What is, what is a mask going to, like, how much did you pay your, like, your whore doctor to write that note? <laughs> <laughs> a whore doctor it's probably her husband <laughs> exactly 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 i know exactly how much you paid him <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, exactly. <laughs> so, and it was just like i believe the word used now i have to edit it out because i hate using these kinds of words on this pod so what it just you call it, wagon i believe was the word wagging Wagon. Oh, like that wagon. would be the description of what she was in a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, time out. Time out. <laughs> what kind of wagon are we are we picturing with this metaphor? Uh, is it a little red wagon or is it a or is it a frontiersman's wagon going across the plains <laughs> filled with <laughs> or is it a playful wagon? <laughs> I'm going with frontiers. Mm. Exactly. These are these are East Coast. This is a. It wasn't just a wagon. It was like a wagon train. <laughs> literally a Wells Fargo wagon, and it's a coming down. It's a coming down without you know, a mask. Wagon train sounds like a pretty awesome porn western. <laughs> you ever like, watch wagon train as a kid? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But and every episode, the, every episode, they turn the wagons to their side in the circle and they fight off Indians. <laughs> that's because Indians couldn't figure out circles. That's a little known. That's a little known. That's the reason that Indians were uh, inferior peoples. They should have. Circles were foreign. Time. If that was realistic, all the people would have died. Yeah, like a week totally. into the trip. Because <laughs> <laughs> all you do is you're just like, okay. Great, you've trapped yourself. <laughs> we're going to back up right just out of range from you. And we're going to let you sort of like every once in a while fire a shot at us. Yes. And you're going to run out of food and ammunition. And then we're going to come in and we're going to kill you. How's What's that? It? And the Native Americans would just circle on their horses, shooting yeah. arrows in, basically, which is like what the Mongolian horde did that won every single fucking time, by the way, every single time. <laughs> and then they would, like, shoot, and then, like, a few of them would just sort of fall off their horses. Then they'd be like, oh, that's enough. They got three of us. Time to leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, that's, that's the story. That's the story. I think – didn't I tell you that John Ford um, – John Ford, John Wayne – movie story about mm -hmm. when John Ford was filming those westerns. I told you that one, right? Yeah. No. It, no. Okay. <laughs> Tell it to me. Uh, so John Ford, the movie director of westerns yeah. with John Wayne, some John Wayne, some others. Yeah. But he, when he was filming in New Mexico and Arizona, this this is a tale. I don't know how legitimate it is, but it sounds real. He um he was having trouble get he ha hired native americans to ride the horse to, to be like real you know the real villains in these movies yeah. so they yeah. they ride the horses but he was having trouble like getting them to you know do basically do stunts okay so, 
So, you know, because, you know, somebody would sit there and fire at them and they just wouldn't fall off their horse. Right, right. And so he said, all right, all right. Um, for every every Indian that falls off of his horse gets an extra $70 for the day. And they all fell and off their horse. <laughs> the next shot, there was like one shot, one rifle shot. They all fell off their horse. All of them. <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. That's brilliant. That yeah. has to be a clip. That that has to exist, right? That it clip. Has, it, maybe. I mean, maybe it exists. Maybe it's you know somewhere in the archives. But that's a tale. That, that was... should exist. I I would love it if that is. We should do a little research to see if that exists because that would be amazing just to look at that. Everybody, what a great Five shot. guys, just Jesus. Geez. What kind of what kind of shotgun was that? It's quite a spread. <laughs> it, was, it was the uh, it was the shotgun of white supremacy. <laughs> Completely. Oh, what do you, do you have in there? Dove shot, buck shot? No, I have white shot. White supremacy shot. That's the other the other crazy thought that I've been having about uh, this whole COVID business because I mean, like, basically everything's shutting down again. I mean, they came down with that. Like, it's all shutting down again. Um, yep. We're going back to like where we were. You know. Yep. Um, which is nuts, completely nuts. Yeah, um, four, and, four months, four months, we've gone nowhere. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete 360 right to where we fucking started. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and it's so ridiculous that like, you know, uh, we were going to, I wanted to go see uh, some botanical garden. Um, and so I called the guy who, um, you know, I called him to see if they're open today. And the guy was like, yeah, we're open. And I was like, great. I was like, what's your plan? Have you heard? Like, are you going to be closing tomorrow? Like, what's the deal? And he was like, I don't even know, man. I swear they got to get this fucking guy out. Like Gavin Newsom, like what a, you know, what a moron. Like, I just can't believe all this conspiracy shit. And I was like, whoa, we got political fest there. I drove down, there's a little street in Encinitas yeah. called Seaman. And it's not, it's neither seaman as in jism or seaman as in naval officer. It's S E E M A N. Do you know that street at all? No, but um, I it's know. yeah, it's right down by the middle school where um, right. our kids go seaman slash street. went. Yeah, Got it. yeah. So I like that street. I want to go down. We went driving down there. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's kind of established. It's got like some good houses, some clear, like, you know, somebody tore it down and built their fucking, you know, $3 million mansion, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Typical. Street. But yeah. you suddenly start seeing like yard signs. Trump, Trump, Trump 2020. Well, no, a lot of like, you know, dump Trump, a lot of Biden, a lot of this, a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly you see the counterpoint and you're like, oh, these people are in a fight. They're all yeah. in a fight with one another. Yeah. And somebody had posted a giant sign that said virushoax.com. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, you know what? As nice as this street is, as much as I'd love to live on it, I don't want to get into like, I don't, I have to know what I'm getting into. Like I'd re- if I was going to yeah. live, like I'd rather live in like, a place where I know what I'm getting into, whether it's yeah. good or bad. Yeah. This just seems like there's a fight. You know, the front lawn was the original Facebook. 
It's true. <laughs> it's been going on for de- been centuries, been right? For centuries, absolute centuries. Um, but so here is my thought about it, because you're 100 percent right. It's these conspiracy people, and the conspiracy people are not wearing masks. Yeah. And the virus doesn't care who thinks it's a conspiracy or not. Nope. So way. they're going to get sick, and a lot of them are going to die, which means they're going to change conspiracy, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Because they're going to fucking change conspiracy to instead of this, there's no such thing as COVID. It's COVID was created by the liberal elite. Right. That's already there. That's already I know. It's already there, but they're going to have to glom onto that one because the, the, a lot of the people are like, this shit is a coax. Or they're just like, or a hoax, I mean. Or they're just like racist and they're like, oh, it's only really getting black and brown people. So, um, you know, like, we can just go to work now. <laughs> like, what do we care? You know? Right. <laughs> I'm not, I just, I'm befuddled by it. Not, I, you know, I, I hear a lot. I, I, I gotta stop looking at social media. It, it actually, it gets, it gets me so excited to troll morons on Twitter. Like it, it, it's a, it's a real, it's a pleasure. It's like, I, I don't know what, what it is. There's some like real sociopathic, element of me that comes out for that moment and i can yeah. then close the browser window and be normal again but it yeah. it's so poisonous because you see the willful um ignorance the willful the the unwillingness to just think about simple facts that this shit is killing people and the idea that no that's make believe because i don't see it I don't see it, therefore it doesn't exist. Whereas if you flip the script and yeah. said to them, well, I don't see God, so that doesn't exist. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the don't see belief that I have. Yeah. And you can't attack that. Yeah. It's all random. It's all emotional. There's some just, there, there's some mindset or educate. I don't know what it is, Josh. I, I'm tired of thinking about it because I could break it down, but it bores the shit out of me. Because I can't really change anybody. It's fucking confirmation virus and uh, confirmation bias. And the thing that virus, confirmation virus. I like virus that. Good one. That's actually a good better. slip. That was a great virus slip. Yeah, it's confirmation virus. And, and, the, and like a virus, my big, my like huge beef with it is when I see it on, on the liberal side, like on my side, you know. Um, and I mean, we've talked about Biden and I'm really unhappy with mm. um, having to vote for that dude now. Um, which, by the way, I think he's going to win now. Um, I think he's going to win the election. And the reason why I think he's going to win the election... This July is 14th. Dark. This is dark. Are you ready? This is, I'm this ready. is really dark, and you, you might want to like cut this. This is a crazy Josh thought. So, get ready. Well, you, cut, you can cut... Wagon, I'll cut this. I'm going to leave... Wagon. And you might want to leave this. Um, honestly, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to die. Yeah, that is a worry. That's a concern. She went to the hospital today. I know. And um, in Obama's last year of presidency, he had a chance to fill a Supreme Court position and the conservatives didn't let him because it was in the middle of an election year. Yep. So, so now this election is going to be about coronavirus and it's going to be about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. Which is why I think Biden's going to win now. Hmm. Because I think... There's too many galvanized, like, I think that people who were already ready to vote 
for Biden are going to be even more ready now because of that. Um, and I think that there'll be a lot of young people who are really unhappy with voting Biden, but who are suddenly socially conscious in a way that they weren't before because of all mm -hmm. this Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Movement stuff. And you see it on like, I'm not on Facebook or Twitter, thank God, but I am on Instagram. And a lot of the like people who I know on Instagram who are like young former congregants of mine who are like young professionals now out in the world, they have not given up on the Black Lives Matter political, you know, uh, I forget, I don't even know what you call it on Instagram, it's posts, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, that's all they're doing now, still, all they're doing, um, a lot of folks. And so, you know, months later, but a lot of these people are also very unhappy with the idea of voting for Biden because like, I actually, I actually believe the story about him and Tara Reid. You know, I actually believe it. I, I jumped into it and it matches all the patterns of like what happens when there are pieces like that and talk to any woman basically who's been a professional since those years and they'll tell you that that shit has happened to them multiple times by multiple people you know like it's just like awful and um and i hate the idea of voting for him but as soon as like i'm thinking about you know not just coronavirus but also ginsburg's seat um you know i have to get there now like i have like i have to so I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to win, um, which isn't going to make too many things better, but at least we'll get a liberal judge in the court, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just know that there was all this, all this momentum going four years ago. Mm -hmm. And as Don Meredith said one time on Monday night football, don't count your chickens before they get laid. So we need to, you know, we can't, we can't get, I mean, I, I understand all these things seem to be conspiring in a particular direction, but it, it's more insidious. This game is much more insidious. Okay. It's played by desperate folks on both sides. Willing to desperate things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So who knows what yeah. the, fuck is going to happen but in the meantime you know shit just keeps getting kind of scarier and scarier and um you know and we're back to square one again you know shut down. and and now the spike is actually happening here you know right people are actually getting sick in san diego now yeah it, it's it's happening it's not happening with the severity that it has happened in other places nope. um the yeah it, it is happening though and and the number of cases are um, substantially larger than they were four months ago. Yeah. People yeah. forget that. And, you know, I, I don't, people's memories are so short because they are, uh, they will only, they will rationalize the, these events to fit their own narrative where, and I look at Texas and I look at Florida and those States, their leadership not only their leadership, but their population yeah. were ignoring it, saying it was just bullshit. Because if it's if it's not right outside your door, you don't believe it's happening. That's right. But it, it's happening. And the the government, the 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 presidential administration has created such a level of distrust of the news media that even absolute fact yeah. is denied. And then 
ends up killing thousands and yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. And that, and I am not religious, as we all know, that is a sin. That's yeah. a sin against yep. humanity. Yep. And it's absolutely unacceptable. And it is without moral foundation. And fuck this. It's, it's got to change. In the meantime, we're a little bit trapped because we have to stay in, we have to stay in, stay away from one another, wear masks when we see one another. Yep. And it, it's just, it's bananas. Um, we, I will um, say, and I do, yeah. I do want you to cut this part out. Okay. <laughs> no, I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Tell me now. You'll forget. No, it's not, it's not worth, it's not worth the show. It has something to do with something else. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I told you about that book. I read about Trump a couple of years ago already. Um, called Trump on the Couch. And, um, you know, it's a pretty compelling argument diagnosing him with narcissistic personality disorder. His uh, niece released her book today, and I've gotten, I, I, I got it on Audible, and I've gotten through about a chapter and a half. Um, she's, she's, uh, she's a clinical psychologist, PhD, mm -hmm. and she's actually saying, well, that's kind of armchair quarterbacking it, there's a lot more going on. <laughs> Basically, there's a there's a lot more problematic, contextualized problems, not only with him but with everyone in in the family. In the family, huh? Yeah, yeah. And let me uh, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why the oldest sister isn't nearly as bad as the kids that came after her, and why you know Freddie, the oldest son who died, why he was perhaps not as bad as Robert and Donald were and yeah. how it just, how shit really did roll downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's, it's, ugh. what's the his joke this week? His behavior is totally consistent with narcissistic personality disorder. It, it is. She had, she's been using designations that I'm not familiar with. Um, I mean, I can interpret what the words mean, but they're like DSM five um, designations that huh. require that require some. I, when she, as soon as she started talking, I was like, I need to go get the DSM five. How yeah. much money do I have to spend on a book that I'll use once? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I used to have it. Yeah, I think I, I used it. the. The DSM four for uh, I actually yeah I had the DSM four for a case for a case in which I had a bipolar two person and I had to be able to talk about that fluently so I didn't seem completely Oof. idiotic. Bipolar is something else, man. That yeah. is some scary shit right there. Um, yeah, no. In my rabbinical training, I, it was a whole process of training to recognize and refer. You know, and tell a difference between someone who's got like situational depression and maybe can talk to you a couple of times and then be heading in the right direction versus someone that has like, yeah, yeah. And the, the basic gist of it is like using a combination of the DSM-4 at the time and also just the basic adage of if someone has to meet with you more than three times, then they shouldn't be meeting with you like as a rabbi. You don't have the training to deal with them. If they need to meet with you more than three times, then you just refer them to a psychologist. That's what you do. Um, so I used to refer people all the time, you know. Um, Are there Jewish psychologists, though? I, that must be hard <laughs> to find. 
yeah, you're right. You know, it's fucking impossible to find a Jewish psychologist. You know, in Washington, D.C., if you pick up a stone and throw it, you're going to hit a Jewish lawyer. It's in any direction. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like... <laughs> where you are you know what i mean um and i think there's some i think new york city that might be true for a jewish uh jewish therapist you just pick up a stone and throw it you're gonna hit a jewish therapist somewhere <laughs> oh that's you so remember funny. uh hanukkah harry the skits on snl no john i don't love it used to play it john lovis used to play it huh? every year oh, in harry. december <laughs> around christmas every year in december he would like santa would get sick so hanukkah harry would have to like fill in and at some point and the skit, every time he would go, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome. You know, now we're getting into comedy. John Lovitz apparently was good friends with Lisa Kudrow's brother growing up. in Get out of here. Huh. Yeah. So they all knew each other. Um, it's a tiny little world, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? Dana Carvey said that John Lovitz was a 10 and 20 person, meaning that it took you 10 years of um, 10, 10 minutes to get to know him and 20 years to believe it. <laughs> That's funny. I like that too. I like That's that too. Really I, I feel like I've got a little bit of that quality before a different reason. You know, <laughs> I think I've got a little bit of that quality, that quality. I've learned that through my online dating piece just by confusing the fuck out of women <laughs> for a number of months. Well, and, there, and then there's probably also parts of your um, experience and personality that you're not even like that aware of or that you just have put away. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. this is something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So to get our minds off the bullshit, I brought a dick joke for today. Oh, thank God. I know, I know, and it's a really good dick joke, man. Thank God it's for like, dick jokes. I mean, thank just the fucking lord. The dick thank jokes, the fart jokes, pussy, yeah. jokes, like the, yeah. the 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 sort of like pelvic region jokes. Uh huh. Are an absolute necessity to break break all of the uh, seriousness. I mean. I, I can't tell you the number of times every comedian, like Dave Chappelle recently said, don't uh-huh. worry, pussy jokes are coming. Uh-huh. And I remember Bill Hicks said, um, I think he said, don't worry, we have some dick jokes coming. And I believe it was George Carlin in one of his bits said, fart jokes are on the way. Like mm-hmm. all of these guys realize that we need some basic scatological uh, rummaging. Yep. Um, so, So what's this one? So have you uh, come across the, I think you have, because I think I shared him with you before, but I think you might have, uh, might have seen this guy before, but uh, Billy Wayne Davis. Oh yeah, the Southerner. Um, well, he's from Crossville, Tennessee. Yeah. So the more accurate way to describe him is a hillbilly. <laughs> Not quite a Southerner. They're different. That's true. That is how my dad described himself, by the way. Was How did your dad thing? describe himself as a hillbilly? Well, he was from Western Kentucky. Okay, yeah, and did his yeah. lineage? Yeah, his lineage came from Ireland, right? So, yeah, straight hillbilly. Yeah, it's just straight up. I mean, good lord, I I can't imagine growing up in the place he grew up. It was just like darkness and struggle and no flush toilets. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. hillbilly. 
There are uh, certain types of houses. You know, we talked about the Sears kit houses. Yeah. There are certain types of houses that I like remember going to as a kid and living in. These are like relatives and friends of relatives homes and things like that. And I mean, talk about wood paneling wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there isn't such thing as a couch there that doesn't have mothballs and a musty smell. And it's like at least 67 years old. Um, yep. And, um, and they keep their pots and pans and everything's just on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like every inch of wall is covered with something that they fucking use and yep. take off the wall and put on the wall and all that stuff. And <laughs> this here's a griddle. This here's a griddle. We don't use a soap and we don't use soap and water on it. We just use a sponge. We got to season it, and that that gives us the particular taste. And we use bacon grease on it. Uh, bacon grease, good. That's that's really it. I my that's grandfather. That's Kentucky, Tennessee. The the Missouri accent's a little bit different from that. It is. It's a little. It's a little, it's a little, little more. S- yeah, a little more refined. I, I don't know <laughs> if we'd call it refined. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't say I, a lot. I said a little. <laughs> I'm on the phone pretty regularly with a with a guy. An, a lawyer from Springfield, mm. Missouri. Yep. That's and my he has, there. he has that accent. Yep. It's just softer. That's right. It's softer. It's yeah. softer. Yeah. Because they're not surrounded by that crazy ass Southern accent. They're surrounded by a Midwestern accent. Yes. So my dad would say things like, go on, get, I mean, he definitely said shit like that. <laughs> go on, get like that came out of his mouth, like multiple times a day. Go on, go on get. get. Go on, get that like came out in his mouth multiple times a day. Um, but it, but most of the time, the way he talked, it was like more of a like soft kind of thing, and you you could like catch it like uh, pen, pin, and pin. You know, that's like three mm-hmm. different words, and mm-hmm. for him, it's just pen, pin, and pin. You know, like like it just said all three the same way, and you needed the context to know which one he was mentioning. You know, um, and uh, and different kind of accent pieces like that. But but there really is a difference between a hillbilly and a redneck. Um, or a southerner, because a lot of hillbillies I know are actually quite intellectual. Like, brilliant. I don't know if that's your experience, but I've found them to be brilliant. Like, my uncle... Like, my my cousin Jack, who once said to me, as I was... was, This was at a family reunion, and we were back at his mom's house. My my dad's first cousin. I don't know what the hell that makes her. Yeah. But uh, he said, you know, Eric, what I notice is that every time the space shuttle launches, there's a hurricane somewhere. <laughs> that kind of brilliant? You mean that kind of like no. real, no real fucking rocket scientist? No. no, I mean like in um, no, I... a house that was owned by my cousins, <laughs> like there's a chair there called the Truman chair because fucking Truman came and visited them and sat in that chair. And oh, sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like, like real intellectual pig farmers who are reading a lot and playing trivial pursuit and know their history. Like my family, like, so my dad's family um, came over from Ireland um, and eventually in the early 18, like in 1715 landed in the States, not the States, landed in the Americas. Um, and, you know, one of the Carolinas, basically, like a lot of the um, hillbillies did. And then just made their way west. And found their way to the Ozarks, where they finally settled in like the early 1800s, and uh, founded this town called Van Buren. Um, To this day, there's a museum there called the Original Burroughs Family Homestead. That's my family. 
And there's a certain cemetery there where it's just like all the gravestones, burrows, 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 all the way down. This is my like great, 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 great grandparents dating back to really, really like the late 1700s, early 1800s. And it's fucking crazy. I mean, they'd set, when they first settled there, they lived in a cave. But at the same time, they were completely anti-establishment. Like these aren't conservatives or liberals. Like mm-hmm. they were just anti-government period. And yeah. that's why they settled in the There's Ozark. still a lot of them there that are like that. They're 100% like that. They want to be as far away from authority as possible. Yeah. To the point where my great, great, great grandmother, I thought two or three greats. Might just be two greats. Uh, maybe three greats. Honestly, I don't know. But uh, um, she famously, there was a Union soldier that came to her door demanding that um, her sons go and join the army and fight in the war. And she wasn't going to do that. So she killed that man, buried him, and just on with her life. <laughs> Nothing happened. She didn't go to that's court. A, that's the old, um, that's the old uh, Irish um, folk song, Arthur McBride, right? Isn't it? Like me and my cousin, Arthur McBride, while we were out walking by the seaside, and uh-huh. it tells the tale of being approached by some soldiers and the, to enlist and they refuse and they threaten those guys with jail. And so they kill the soldiers and throw them out into the ocean. That's what I mean, she it, did. Yeah. That's what she fucking did. Um, and I've seen a picture of this one picture of this woman and I will show it to you and she will forever haunt you in your dreams. Because she was the most, most terrifying looking human you can imagine. Yeah, I've I've seen uh, I've seen the um, the Melton sisters, which is my dad's mom's yeah uh, family. They, they probably look like them. They're probably similar. Her yeah, yeah. Her, eyes, her eyes pierce your soul, and her hands look like you could take a Ginsu knife to them, and it wouldn't make a dent. Wouldn't cut. It wouldn't cut. It would just break, <laughs> you'd break the knife over her fucking fingers. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to show you a picture of her one of these days because, yeah, she, she's totally nuts. But, well, but you've, like, been out, you've been out in those hills. You've been out in the Ozarks. And yeah. Like, you know, you, you can turn down. I was out there with my Uncle Bill one time, mm-hmm. my dad's brother, and we're driving back to see his cousin, Georgia Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that's how it's said. It's not Georgia Pearl. It's mm-hmm. Georgia Pearl. Mm-hmm. And George Pearl lived in an old house and there must have been six, six broke down on blocks, mm-hmm. Ford, Rangers, and whatever preceded the Ranger, like F-100, yeah. I guess it would be, and cats everywhere. This was fucking real life. But before we yeah. got there, we're driving down and he sees a one road and he's like, that goes over to such and such farm. Yep. Goes, and then he's like, I don't know where that road goes and I ain't going down that way. It's like you you get a, a sense of that culture. Everyone knows every like the right thing, the wrong thing. They're all comfortable. They just don't want the G men. They don't want yeah. the authority. They want to yeah. continue with the way it's been for hundreds of years. And they're not beholden to party. They're pragmatists in terms of who they approach and who they, they have to be. They have to be. So like, you know, fam- my, my, my dad's family became non-religious because they were all supporters of Kennedy. 
And the local church was a Methodist church, which is Protestant. Mm-hmm. And the Protestants were not happy with the Catholic potential right. for a Catholic president. It was like, they were like, the Pope is going to run the country now. And my family was like, that's ridiculous. And so they were publicly supporters of Kennedy. And so the church kind of excommunicated them. You know, they were like, okay, you can't come to church anymore. You know, but, but you know, so we're talking about people who like, I have these strong memories of, as a kid of growing up and listening to like my uncle and like my cousin, you know, like have these really serious philosophical conversations, political conversations, big ass, like three, four syllable words, you know, doing wordplay humor, things like that as a kid laying mm-hmm. in bed and listening to my relatives play Trivial Pursuit and like knowing all of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like all this stuff. And you know, these guys have books on the walls and all sorts of stuff, which doesn't change the fact that like my grandfather was a raging alcoholic. Um, but he was also a science teacher. He was a yeah. pig farmer, high school science teacher, you know, um, and uh, like knew a shit ton of history and um, drove his tractor, raised pigs, raised okra, you know, like just like a whole thing. And there's yeah, like, rock. yeah, right. And like Georgia Pearl, when I met her, she maybe weighed 85 pounds. Yeah. But like your great whatever grandmother, it was those hands. Yeah. It was like, it was almost as if there's an endowment in the genes. Yeah. To have hands that are able to tear steel plates in half, mm-hmm. even if you're the size of a piece of paper. Yeah. 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 And, and what's so interesting is there's this interesting kind of ex- almost acceptingness of them like in there, in that culture. So my dad grew up there. The town has five, Van Buren has 500 people to this day in it. So there's something that we sort of affectionately call the Van Buren wave. And by the way, I'm related to every fucking body in that town. Everybody is a cousin. But um, Van Buren has this, uh, has this thing called the Van Buren wave, where basically you got your hands on the wheel, 10 and two, and someone is driving past and you know that person. And they know you because it's Van Buren. You don't have the energy to lift and wave your hand because it's just everybody you drive past. You know them. So you just stick one finger up as that's, they go past. And that's, and that's, the, a con- that's a country way of doing things. That's the country way of doing things. It's all understated. One finger up, hello, and back to it. My dad moved to New York and married you know, a Jewish girl and then had Jewish kids. And they would refer to me in Van Buren as Faye was my grandmother, as Faye's little Jew baby. You know? And I have this... I have this amazing memory of coming into town and um, like we, there is this woman named Norma something or other who was like my dad's like aunt kind of. Um, And he loved her. And when he was like unhappy with his parents, he'd run away from home and go stay with her for a little while. Um, And so he wanted to see her first. So we drive into town, 500 people. We go straight to her house, which is like 35 seconds. By the time we get to her house, she had already poured fucking lemonade and gotten the ice cream out because she got a phone call that Tommy Burroughs is back in town with Faye's little Jew baby. And she wanted to make sure to take care of him. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's so country. And so, so country. And it's so earnest, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's like just there's yeah. an earnestness to it. Like, is there, is there anything pejorative about calling you Faye's little Jew baby? I don't know if they saw it that way. Not to them at all. It was a loving term as far as they were concerned, you know, because they all like loved on me and like were happy to see us and served us food and we're happy to see my dad and all kinds of stuff. But 
I don't think it was pejorative at all. I think it was just like a loving term. It was what they said. You know, it was a recognition of like this crazy thing that my dad did that no one else had ever done before. Moved to New York and married a Jewish girl. Now, there's a lot of this that's going to get cut in the final, but I want to know, does that culture still exist down there in Van Buren? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you went back today, would they know who you were? Probably. Yeah. Probably. You know, if I had the car with New York plates, they'd be sure that I was a Burroughs. A hundred percent. But I think they'd look at me and see my dad's face and be like, oh, that's a Burroughs. Right. You right. know, and then now, now we know what to do with this guy. You yeah. know, so yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been there because after my dad died, we um, wanted to go back to Van Buren and do some things to honor him in Van Buren. And so my mom created a big marble bench with his Hebrew name on it because he always wanted to do that. Right. To like, yeah. yeah, to like just confuse the fuck out of future anthropologists. Like, how the hell did this Burroughs like become a Jew? Like, what happened here? What a weird turn, you know? And, right. um, yeah, so he's so he's he's got a memorial chair there, a memorial bench. Right, and the anthropologist in the future is like, we really were everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's a Jewish <laughs> anthropologist. Uh, God forbid there should be Jews in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get to the dick joke, man. Let's hear it. Yo, all right. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this, like. Uh, um, hillbilly thing for a minute is because there's a sense of humor there that's a real dry, quiet, like understated but hilarious sense of humor that like I reckon like listening to this comic, listening to Billy Wayne Davis reminds me of like talking to my dad or talking to there's this like real and it's real like you know well there's gonna be that sometimes you know what I mean it's a real like um, my dad was on a hunting trip. And uh, his brother, his daughter came, his niece came, and uh, she caught a deer in her sights and shot him, but she wasn't the greatest shot. So she like got him in the leg and then fucking shot again and like shot his ear off and then like shot again and like hit him in the tail and like just wasn't getting the kill shot. Meanwhile, the deer is just like in awful pain. So my dad goes over the walkie talkie and goes, Jesus, Laura, you trying to scare him to death? (laughs) (laughs) it's that kind of like sense of humor that's great so this guy is uh this guy billy wayne davis he has that he has that like you know sense of humor that kind of like quiet sort of understated but logical smart sense of humor that i really like and the way he talks about this stuff is uh is really quite wonderful so the joke i decided to bring is off his album called live at third man records and you can find it on spotify but he recorded it as a record hmm. so i think you can only buy its physical version as a record as a vinyl like, 33 and a third vinyl 33 hmm. and a third exactly um and the jokes are just brilliant i mean one of my favorite pieces there is he's trying to describe so he's from a t- town called crossville tennessee and he's, he's talking about a conversation he had with uh, somebody in California about growing up in, small, in a small town in Tennessee. And, she, and so he says, is this California? Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Tennessee. And she goes, oh, you mean like Nashville? And, and he goes, no, 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 uh, no. Let me see how I can describe how, how small this town is. And he goes, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. So when I was 10, my cousin 
went to a field party and killed a dude. When I was a senior in high school, that dude's sister asked me to the prom. <laughs> Not a lot of options. Not a lot of options. And he goes on and he's like, uh, he goes, um, I ended up declining her because my dad made a good point when he said, eh, I don't know. You know, she might have forgot, but I'm pretty sure her daddy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then he finishes that joke by going, people in the North hear that joke and they get sad. People in the South hear that joke and they go, well, that's just good parenting right there. <laughs> that's, just, that's just good parenting right there. That, that, that's a dad that's on top. He's on top of the issue. Yep. He knows what he's doing. It's yep. all right. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's what this, uh, this album is brilliant. It's, it's really, it's one great joke after another. It's a complete banger. Um, and, and definitely off of this album, he's one of my favorite comedians, hands down. I mean, he just, he's great. He's just uh, so completely great. So the joke I'm bringing this, this episode, by the way, we still haven't done an intro yet to uh, the pod. Go we for it. Never did it this time. Are we doing it? Is this like a running stick that we just start fucking talking and at some point we do at the At some intro point, we're going to just do the intro at the end. Why don't we do that this time? Yeah, maybe so. All right, we'll play the dick joke. All right, so this joke is called Honest Dying. And um, there's an interesting kind of, there's an interesting twist to this joke at the end that I think you're going to like and I think will actually kind of bring us back to the beginning of this uh, conversation. So you ready? Yeah. All right, here it is. I went and played junior college baseball after high school. And if you're unfamiliar with junior college baseball and the hierarchy of baseball in general, junior college baseball is for like guys that are like pretty smart, but okay baseball players and guys that are just unbelievable baseball players. But if they wake up with their mouth closed, they're going to die. It was fun. <laughs> the ba- the bus got weird, though, because it's like a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old dudes on a bus for eight hours, just hormones, the weird. Like, my best friend thought it would be hilarious that when I fell asleep, what he would do is pull his dick out and get it fully erect and then start jacking off, looking at me, and then wake me up. And he's right. After the first time, it's hilarious every time. That first time, though, you're like, oh, what are... you like me in a different way than I like you. I'm flattered. It is flattering. Uh, I'd like the friendship to continue. Maybe just don't wake me up. I don't know. It was like the fifth or sixth time he did it, and I finally looked at his dick, and he had a weird dick. And uh, when your best friend has a weird dick, there's only one real reaction, and that's like, hello, what the fuck happened to your dick, dude? When you say that, that attracts the crowd. Usually trumps anything else going on on the bus. Like, you want to play spades? Hold on, I'm going to go check on that. That just sounds like something I need to go check on.
And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, there's something wrong with your pee hole. Not supposed to be like that. He's like, it's always been like that. And I was like, I don't think it has. I don't. He's like, I can fit a dime in there. I was like, well, okay. And he could. And it wasn't like a like a coin slot. He didn't fit it in like that. Like like he was putting it in a Coke machine. He fit it in like a lid. Like he was like, yeah, yeah. He had a weird dip. I told you guys that it was weird. And then what he did next leads me to believe he's done this before. Because he squeezed the shit out of his the shaft of his cock and the dime shot out and then he caught it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he tried to hand me the dime. I was like, no, you earned that. That was like that's an honest dime. We started like I started fucking with him immediately. I was like, "You get your girl to finger that thing, man." <laughs> and like our whole team, our whole team knew like, like like oh this is fun, this is a fun thing. Except for one dude named BJ who didn't know we were kidding and was like, "Nuh-uh." And at that point, when he said "Nuh-uh," everyone on our team bonded together without saying a word, and we're like, "Well, we have two goals as a team now: win a national championship." And get someone to finger BJ's pee hole. We accomplished one of them. I ain't wearing a ring. It only took us five days. That's pretty impressive. Like, we had girlfriends involved too. Like they'd be like, "You, I thought of all the guys on the team. It was the end of this. It would be BJ." Like, that's it. You just see his wheels turning. He's like, "What is going on here? How have I never heard about this?" And he was like, one day he's like, "Okay, I'm having a party tonight. I got a girl. She's kind of freaky. She's going to come over later. She is into it. She's going to do it. So when she shows up, if you guys could skedaddle and kind of help make this happen, that would be great." And I was like, "Yeah, we we can help out." <laughs> She showed up. We just shot out the house like a SWAT team showed up. Like people jumping out windows. Like just go, just go. The next day, he's late for the game. We're standing there at batting practice. He's not there yet. I was like, uh, "Well, he's quit." Um, she told him what was up, and then he's embarrassed. About that time, a little head came out of the dugout. Just doing this number. Sees me and my best friend and just starts sprinting at us. I was like, he might have went through with it. And we're like, oh, we're going to have to fight him. Oh, shit. You go low, I'll go high. I don't know. I think we might have to kill it. This is the only way this ends. We didn't think this through at all. Then he just broke down like right in front of us, that athletic position. He's like, You guys think that feels good? 
I just collapsed in a puddle of joy. Just laughing that kind of laugh, like when your dad tickles you when you're younger and you can't make noise. That's how good. You're like, it's too much fun. I can't, ah, can't communicate that I'm going to die. And he just kept talking, like, through me almost dying. He was like, and then, like, at first we were just jamming in there. That hurt. And then we poured lube in there. I was like, oh, my God, you got to stop. I can't. Then it felt like like I just came and someone just kept touching the under part of my dick where I was like, you got to stop doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Appreciate what you're trying to do for me. But tell my mom I love her and I died the way I wanted. got drafted to play professional baseball that's the joke that was that was funny that was uh that was well worked out and uh outstanding it's a killer joke man it is a killer joke it's really just kind of non-stop preposterous absurdity and natural like the 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 fact that you're winding through his decision-making and his reactions and how sensible they really are in the face of whatever was going on. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's, is that a Southern mode of thinking? Is that a, is that a Southern intellectual mode of thinking? Like (laughs) he got a weird dick. (laughs) <laughs> the 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 hillbilly sense of humor is totally that yeah. like all my relatives in missouri who are funny they they have that kind of well there's gonna be some of that you know yeah. like there's understated like commentary on the human condition <clears throat> in terms of like just how they think of stuff you know Im- imagine you know in another scenario if somebody had because I, I kind of I kind of get the sense that like that's not unlike how I would have reacted if that had been me uh, on the bus, right? I'd been like I wouldn't have been like, "What are you doing? What are you crazy?" You're, I'd be like, "Get away!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's it's uh, it's staring in the face of fucking life and what happens, but having this like calm almost like meta perspective in terms of how you're approaching it and responding to it yeah. you know so like the stories about like my uncles like when i was a kid i used to love to sit in like my uncle butch's truck and like pretend to drive it with like you know no ignition or whatever but this is like a late 70s truck you know early 70s truck because i was sitting in it but this is we're talking like 1979 And one of the times, so the truck was on like this, on this driveway that was like on an incline. And, um, and I just threw the thing in reverse without knowing that it was going to be thrown in reverse. Right. You just pulled it. It was probably like a big long stick and you just went, kink. Yep. Put that, put that sucker right in reverse and then started rolling down the hill backwards as a four year old in a freaking truck. And my mom is standing outside with my uncle Butch and she, she grabs him by the arm and goes, do something. And he calmly looks at her and goes, I would if he would let go of my arm. (laughs) 
Exactly. You know, or like the time that we're like in that same house and there's this back, you know, patio kind of deal. that's like off the second story looking over the backyard or whatever. And um, I'm out there with me, my sister, Rachel, who's like two at the time, like a year and a half at the time, my cousin, Aaron, and Rachel's leaning over the side of the balcony, just looking over the side. And, um, And she went too far and took a tumble. And fell down one story, landed in the lawn chair, was fine, except she bit her lip pretty bad, had to get like stitches. My mom is watching, is washing dishes with my Aunt Joan, and they're looking outside on the balcony. Mom has her head down. Rachel goes, and my Aunt Joan goes, Well, there goes Rachel. <laughs> and my mom is like, What are you talking about? You know, like, there goes you Rachel. Doing? Yeah, there goes Rachel. You know, and then with my dad, my, one of my favorite stories about my dad was this uh, tornado came through and took and like through my neighborhood and took off like the corner of the roof of my house. And I was me, my sister, Rachel, were home with my dad. And uh, um, I was outside playing with a couple of friends. My sister, Rachel, was napping upstairs. My dad was mowing the lawn. And my street was like on this T inter- like my house was like the second house from like the cult from like the intersection of this like T intersection. And we were the bottom of the T and the top of the T was a dirt road. And all of a sudden these dark green clouds come rolling in, which would only mean one thing. And the tornado siren went off. And then this gust of wind came up, like blew up all this dirt from the road. I look at my dad, it hits my dad. It knocks the hat off the back of his head. He like calmly catches it, puts it back on his head, looks at me, like wags his eyebrows at me, like, look what I just did. And then like tells me to go upstairs and get my sister, grabs my friends under his arms and carries them back to their house and comes back home, puts us both in the basement and stands at the window giving us the play-by-play. Really, really, <laughs> like, oh, there goes the roof, and uh, there goes the neighbor's shed, and uh, there goes the neighbor. I mean, just like calm as calm can be, just like spelling out to us what was happening. And, you know. Is there a cultural resignation to, like, the sort of uh, – uncontrollable aspects of life and the fact that things that are already being done can't really be undone. I mean, that's kind of what I, I get the sense of with this, you know, like this, the the initial part of that joke is like, okay, you got a weird dick. Okay. Then, then you turn, you turn the corner with that particular aspect. The whole idea is absurd. Yeah. Like in the way he describes the way he tells the tale, like, you know, and he decides that he would take his dick fully erect yeah <laughs> and you're like okay yeah. and start, jack what yeah <laughs> okay yeah. all right like and you're you're telling this and you don't seem to be that upset about it yeah and then you get to that point where it's mm-hmm. here's why and he turned the tables you know and it's uh it's quite quite a fantastic turn um you know and and is i mean are we overly generalizing when we say that, you know, the, that, that particular culture that we've been discussing for the past half hour of people who, uh, you know, have are outside of the fold, you know, who are honest in their own way, who really have an integrity that is longstanding and isn't beholden to any outsider's rules, you know, is it, is it that absurd to think that really those rules simply mean, well, we know what we can control and what we can't control. Right. And we're willing to, we're willing to live with that. Whereas other people aren't, 
they they're not willing to acknowledge what what they're out of control of right. um you know like telling the story of the of the tornado um so wh- what do, what do you think what so that that joke has maybe two and a half parts what do you think of the joke as a as a narrative? I think it's a really good example of what of what Billy Wayne Davis does in his humor, which is that he sets up he sets us up with a type of a premise, and then continues to push the story until he really really can't push it anymore. Like you got the idea that his last line there, you know, of um, you know, um, he's the only one that made. Uh, you know, went and played professional and got drafted to play professional baseball. And like, you know, that, that, that's as, as far as you could take that story. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like he really just tells the story, but he's so patient in terms of how he tells it. You know, this yeah. isn't someone who's like a huge comedian yet, but he's 10 years seasoned, you know, at least. Um, but he just has this great ability to just really drag the story out, keep it lively. You don't know what's going to happen next, but he lets the laugh go, comes in with the next line, you know, as the laugh starts to die down, they're all zingers. He knows exactly where he is in the story and how to like bring it all together, but knows how to let the room breathe through the process. I mean, he's as a technician, he's great. You know, And it is, it is noticeable that during that, um, during that joke, there are periods, there are long, long yeah. pauses. Yeah. Really long. Yeah. Like where, you know, it works, but they're just protracted because it works. It has to work with the pacing uh, right. in order to punctuate the appropriate funny parts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I love this joke. I absolutely love this joke. And the beginning parts are definitely where a lot of the, you know, biggest laughs are. But the part that really resonates with me the most is the, you're laughing so hard that you think you're going to die. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of lines that I like really pull away from that joke and are really applicable in life. Like, you know, I'm not saying he's stupid, but if he wakes up with his mouth closed, he <laughs> die. Yeah, that's a good line. And the visualization we said it's not like a slot machine. It's a more, more like a lid. top of a bottle. Yeah, like a lid. A lid. And you're like, what does he mean? And then it's like, oh, that's what he oh God. Yeah. God. <laughs> that is messed up. And then he did a thing that made me think that he had done it before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, he's, he's got that. How long is that joke? It's uh, seven minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah. I felt like it was about eight minutes long. I mean, yeah. and not, not like it was dragging or anything. I was just like, no. oh, that's, that's a real story. Yeah. And I'm wondering, here's a, here's a question. Who would not like this joke? This has to become a regular part of this pod. Who would not like this joke? I, I wonder if there, but he does, he does talk about this in, in his humor too, but I wonder if there are people who couldn't get past his accent. Well, that's true. There are probably people who generally speaking, just don't like dick jokes, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not a traditional dick joke. I mean, it is a dick joke, 
And I actually, there's like a couple of episodes where I mentioned I'm bringing a dick joke next. And this is, this is the fucking one. This is the one that I was going to bring. Sure. I can't think of a dick joke that's better. You know? I mean, it's, it's strong. It's 100% a dick joke. But it's more a dick narrative. You know, it's got... <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, only, it's only a dick joke insofar as there's actually a penis involved in it. Because it, it, it kind of is, it plays off of like sexual mores among like the most masculine subgroups yeah. of American society. Baseball yeah. team, it could be a yeah. football, it could be any of the school, like where, you know, that machismo is important and yeah. being able to talk about base things comfortably and yet you've got like somebody who's like this is funny i'm gonna become fully erect and jerk off yeah yeah my best friend's face yeah i i uh the the two things about this joke that i think really enamor me too aside from the whole hillbilly thing and you know really catching that sense of humor is that it's it's actually a joke about friendship when all is said and done um, it's not real. It's a dick joke, but it's really a friendship joke. Um, because he's, uh, it's a joke, first of all, that speaks to his relationship with his best friend. And then the, the rest of the joke is how he and his best friend relate to the world together. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like clear that that's what that's about. Um, so, and I really relate to that because I had one of those best friends as a kid um this uh this amazing dude named ph um we were best friends sort of starting in sixth grade and then moving on beyond that after ninth grade year i moved away but by the time it was like eighth grade year or so our names were kind of synonymous with each other like people would say like where's josh and ph or where's ph and josh like that was like the thing and and never we were like almost never separated hanging out all the time spent all our weekends together all that stuff and like there was a larger friend group that we hung out with, but it was primarily about me and him. And a lot of the stuff that we did was just almost like as an insulated thing relating to the rest of the world around us. And, you know, obviously, you know, fucking with kids, uh, standing up for each other, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I, I, I can think of like a number of stories where he and I just did these crazy things messing with people. And, um, and ended up with like, you know, that kind of laugh of like, I, I'm laughing so hard that I can't breathe and I might actually die because I can't stop laughing. And, you know, and uh, yeah, it makes me think of that. You know, I mean, he, I haven't talked to this guy in like, you know, probably over a decade at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's been a long time, but we inevitably kind of find each other again and then reconnect at some point. So it'll happen at some point for us. But uh, if he's still alive, for all I know. But um, but yeah, this is like you know, just this dude, and and that was the relationship there, you know. So I really kind of relate to that story. Doesn't the joke also literally put homoeroticism in your face? Like, doesn't See? it put the natural, like the the that subculture is so. Uh, stereotypically insensitive to homosexuals or those that are outside of the standard norm and especially the southern mm -hmm. the southern mores 
Doesn't that just totally flip it upside down? Uh, completely, 100%. And I think speaks to sometimes a certain aspect of the nature of those types of friendships when you're young. You know what I mean? Where like, um, you're like exploring certain concepts together, you know, and like talking about different things. So like each of us had a crush and we would like compare, like I had a crush on this one girl and he had a crush on another girl. And then our sleepovers, we'd like talk with each other about we want, what we wanted to do with them. And sometimes it was very sweet, but a lot of times it was like the seventh grade version of Nasty basically like just imagining all that stuff. And then when we were in college, you know, that dude had a girlfriend and he made a sex video with her. And of course I saw it. Of course I saw, it. you know what I mean? And, and there's, and it's so fucking weird. Like just sitting there thinking about like, like why are you showing me this dude? <laughs> like what, what's this all about? Like, you know, we, we had like, you know, many, many years of friendship before I knew you had a crooked dick, but now I know you have a crooked dick. And like, I don't fucking know why <laughs> I needed to know that yours has a slight turn to it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't need to know that at all. You know, <laughs> like, but that's what we ended up talking about. Like, what's wrong with your dick, dude? Like, it's got a fucking, he's like, well, most dicks are like, but I'm like, are they, are they? <laughs> Wait, how, how, how many have you, you know, what, what is, what is the, like, how are you comparing? Um, yeah, <laughs> but then it, then it then it brings into question like, what what is the, the male sensibility of intimacy, and, and do does it have to be in the context of this type of humor in order to make it palatable to people? Because it seems to me that like there's clearly in that story there's some sexual undertone, but also some like intimacy that has to be there in order for that sort of action to be comfortable and yeah. for his reaction to be sort of like his reaction is um is essentially kind of like saying like like if if a woman were to say uh now we're just friends yeah yeah got a weird dick like yeah. it's like that yeah. that's yeah it I mean, that's an interpretation. It could be a little bit strained, but I think there's something about that because I've heard, I've heard women say, yeah, you know, men, like men really love other men. They'll say they love their wives, their girlfriends, but they really love other men because of the way they interact with them. It's clear that that's what love is to them. That's so fucking weird. It is. I, I try to unpack. I couldn't even begin to unpack that. No, yeah. that's another episode. That's probably for Sunshine and Brain, actually. Probably for Sunshine and Brain. Yeah. Yeah. I actually told you a story about PH a couple episodes ago. Um, remember I told you about my, we were talking about bathrooms and we were talking about urinal etiquette. And I told you about my friend who used to go to the urinal in like sixth or seventh grade and he would pull his pants yes. and his underwear straight down to his ankle yes. and then put his hands on his hip like Superman pose, like fists closed, hands on hip. And just right. urinate into the urinal like that. And, you know, I like he would do it inevitably when like both of us needed to go to the bathroom, but he got a head start. So I would just walk in and discover him like that and then fall over laughing because it was so fucking funny. And so if anything, you know, there might be a layer of like homoeroticism to stories like that or whatever. That's reading really deep into an effort that two friends are willing to go to make each other laugh. Right. And it also just may be a sort of like level of intimacy that everyone wants to have, but they mm-hmm. can't have mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. under the uh, s- social mandates that we all have to play ball in. That's you right. Know, that you just can't. I mean, you just can't do those certain silly things that are really part of you. Yep. No matter how open your partner, male or female, may be. Yeah. Like there, those are only acceptable probably in the context of friendship and whatever the idea of friendship really means, because it doesn't mean life partnership necessarily. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and this has made me sad. My analysis has made me sad, but, (laughs) but it also, um, it makes me a little grateful because it, it allows us all to sort of experience multiple layers of this life, right? It yeah. doesn't all have to be so fucking rigid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Patrice O'Neill talked a little bit about this and his humor. I remember a joke that he had done where he talked about how um, it's, if you're looking to have a good relationship with a man, and again, I don't, you know, fucking, this is like such armchair psychology, like who knows what's really going on. But the line that he had was, if you're looking to have a good relationship with a man, realize that it's more important that he like you than that he love you. You know, you want him to like you because if he likes you, then he's going to want to hang out with you and be with you and joke around with you and have fun with you and he'll be great. But if you just want him to love you, then he'll love you but he might not like you and <laughs> that's a problem. And that's yeah. not going to accomplish the type of connection that the person who wants him to love him or her yeah. is actually seeking. It, it actually yeah. creates more of a distance. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's a, that's an interesting analysis. Do you want to hear the twist? about this mm-hmm. show um it's interesting you're gonna like it sure. um, but it's, it's a little dark so his best friend died like that guy who he's telling a story about is dead and how did he passed. die i don't know exactly um mm-hmm. billy wayne davis is not big enough to have an extensive wikipedia page yet like he's got like a paragraph but he's got an instagram page. <laughs> got an instagram page and like so many of the comedians that I talk about, he was on an episode of You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, and he talked about losing his friend. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think it might have been a car accident or something like that, like real sudden such sort of deal. But don't quote me on that. I don't remember. I'd have to listen back to that whole episode of You Made It Weird to know for certain. Yeah. But he wrote that joke afterwards. Hmm. And like, I don't know how far afterwards, but certainly you know, close enough that I'm sure it's still raw. And well, it never becomes unraw at that. I mean, and that seems like putting it in that context, that's then it essentially becomes a comedian's form of a love song. That's right. Right. That's right. And, and that may not be an orthodox sensibility, but it very much sounds like one to me because it is honoring somebody with the most preposterous moment you could possibly think of, but one that is so close and represents such a connection 
that you can actually say that to a person and have that relationship where it's not taken as rejection, insult, it's just friendship and you know, it kind of counteracts my other analysis of homoeroticism where it's like, now we're just friends, yeah. but maybe it, it, maybe it actually represents a deeper friendship that I'm willing to give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. It, it speaks to a type of closeness and a really interesting attempt to take who knows how embellished the story is for the sake of the joke, but something about it tells me that it's based on something true, you know, in yeah. terms of how he and his best friend were. And he just drowns the joke and the joy of that relationship. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that whole joke is like an ode to the joy that that relationship brought. And, um, and uh, he doesn't ever turn it around and make it dark. He just almost eulogizes him and memorializes the joy of that relationship. And now it's just caught there, you know. Um, and so like the effort to write that joke is almost like a therapeutic thing to me is like, well, it's pretty stunning. You know, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, and relating it back to how we began this podcast, I mean, look at what we're doing. Like we're fucking re-entering coronavirus. You know what I mean? Like going back in the quarantine and all this stuff. And um, we've done political humor here already. We could certainly continue down that path. But like, can we just take a time out and do a dick joke, please? You know what I mean? Can we just like fucking take a step away from all the pain of it and laugh at a really funny moment? Um, and then, you know, maybe get right back down to the humor part, you know, get right back down to living or whatever, you know, there's something I think uh, really kind of stunning and cool about that. Good idea, Josh. And I think that that was a good choice and uh, very thoughtful. I'll give you, right. I'll give you, I'll give you credit. I'll, you are a, you are a um, you are the pride and a testament to the uh, quality of Ithaca College. <laughs> and, All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh Burrows. I'm sitting here with uh, what the fuck is your name again? <laughs> I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know, but nobody yeah. ever introduced me as as JC's Jew baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I, I know, know I don't mean I could, uh, I've, I've been around the world you know so I don't know it's no better time than now man can't wait to be at a party with you one of these days <laughs> yeah. in the welcome future. to jokes welcome to jokes <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god anyway um, in my mind that's a perfect joke Remember the, how, how would we improve that joke I don't think you can improve that joke it's, it's so perfect. deeply personal. It's so deeply, it's, and it's so precise. It's, I mean, if you put it in the context of his best friend having died and, and him, you know, having to work through that, then it's, it's as much an elegy and a eulogy um, as you can find. And it is well played. And uh, certainly there is, there, I mean, <laughs> despite flying against uh, social constructs, why wouldn't you want to be remembered in yeah. that way? Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a perfect way to be remembered. You know, as uh, 
as someone who was loved, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's just great. It's just great. But even without that context in a vacuum, I think it's still a perfect joke without knowing that, you know, yeah. just the, the, the ebb and the flow of it, you know, the way he takes well the done. thing and he just stretches it out, you know, and, um, you know, God, man, and the, the guy is a really, really great comedian, just a really great comedian and um, clearly brilliant in his observations and in his storytelling. And, you know, the way he brings out his personality in that hillbilly kind of, you know, that hillbilly kind of mindset is really wonderful. And, uh, you know, overall, just the, the whole tone of the joke is just, I mean, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And, and, it, and, and the, the, it's hillbilly misdirection, you know, and, yep. and this can be kind of a final note because I don't want to detract from the really good job you did and bringing it forward and, and talking about it. I mean, I think you did a hell of a job. Thanks, and, man. Uh, uh, the, the hillbilly misdirection, there's a whole class of artists out there um, that – you know, people tend to hear, as you said, the accent may turn people off, but there's really just a whole, yeah. as you had argued earlier, a whole class of, of very thoughtful, very um, great uh, artists who are able to relate incredibly deep um, intellectual and emotional um stories um pieces connections Mm -hmm. um you know i i mean in music i can i can look back at like guys like terry allen out of west texas jason isbell out of alabama um you can you can go i mean you can even look back to willie nelson who really was playing some sort of chess when everyone was playing checkers yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's always that sort of like well I am, I am, I live here, but I'm not from here kind of thing. And, and and what, what, what Davis is doing here is really um, strong suit, not to be detracted just because it's a Southern joke. It's not, uh, it's not playing to a base level. It's playing to a very high level. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a Larry, Larry, (laughs) the cable guy. No kind of um, nope. e- easy win. It's a hard no. win. Yeah. You know, this isn't the redneck. This isn't uh, Jeff Foxworthy, the redneck, you know, you know, you're a redneck win type of right. stuff where he's really playing off the culture he's coming from. This guy is drawing his personality from the culture he's coming from and giving us how he sees the world based off of it, you know, and it's just, it's just brilliant. You're a hundred percent right. You know, so yeah, man. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good joke. There's a lot more to say about this guy. A lot more to like, you know, dive into it. But uh, it is. Uh, it's about eleven twenty. Oh my <laughs> god, it's getting late. This. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got a, I got a full day of birthday tomorrow, so I better. You got a birthday going tomorrow? Whose birthday is it? Oh, it's Una's birthday. Una's birthday. Holy shit! Did you shave your head again? You did shave your head again. I did. I did because oh, we're we're shit. back in the we're back in the quarantine, dude. You know what? I think now's the time for you to do the whole face henna thing. I think you got the time there. <laughs> Go just Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, face henna. That's a callback to an earlier episode. You got to be a I fan know. of the show to know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I brought that up. Yep. Uh, 
you know, I'm I'm off the hook. I uh, I decided that I wanted to keep it short, but I decided last night I was like, you know what, man? Here we are, four months in. March thirteenth was when everything started shutting down. March sixteenth was when I think Newsom was like, well, we really gotta be. And then three days later, it was you know shelter in place. You know, yep. you haven't heard that phrase. Nope. Not in the past couple of months, but that's what he said. Yeah. And we're back to that four months Isn't later, it? exactly four it. months later. So I just came out to the garage and I was like, yep. Shoot. Time to go. Just yeah. got my broom, swept it up and, uh, and here we go it. again. Oh God. All right. Well, back to it. Your turn next time. I know. Thanks Until for the joke, time. man. That was really good. That was really good. Appreciate it. I've been waiting to do that fucking joke, man. I've been one. waiting to do that joke. I like strong. that joke. Yeah. I think I'm going to do a Maria Bamford joke next. I still got to figure out which one, though. Man, bring Robbie in on that. No, nah, we all got to be on that. Robbie had the cool idea about uh, doing a joke about therapy. Maybe maybe we'll do a nice uh, threesome for next week. Yeah, you could do a, do a round robin on therapy jokes. I'm available next weekend. Sure, if you want to record by the time. Next weekend, meaning three upcoming. days from now or yeah, 10 days from now? Upcoming. Okay. Upcoming. Yeah. I'll see if I can pull him out of the uh, out of the crevice in which he's lodged. Let's do it. Let's do All it. right, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for another episode. Thanks for listening. Another episode of Jokes. Please like and uh, review us where you can. Subscribe. Share with your friends, your neighbors, your countrymen. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Look forward to seeing you next time. Peace. Good job. <laughs>